Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Darker Demons. Remember, the book is available on Amazon.com, and also you can go to my website and check out some reviews and more information about this book and my first book, Ocean's Ending, and I'm working on the sequel to that right now. And the website is OceansEnding.com. And when we left off last, Jake and Aaron were in London facing after Magdalene. And we'll pick it up there. You think Magdalene is still here? Aaron asks after he completes his call. Jake tells Aaron he expects to find Magdalene at the hotel. However, even if she has already checked out, someone at the hotel may know where she is headed, he says. One way or another, we'll locate her. Checking in, Jake is impressed by Magdalene's choice. The quiet, old-world elegance of the hotel is reminiscent of New Orleans, minus the sweltering heat. Smiling at the man behind the desk, he asks if his Tom Booth checked in yet. We have a business meeting first thing tomorrow, he explains. The man smiles back, wishing he could have a meeting of another type with Jake. Checking his computer screen, he tells Jake, yes, your colleague him two days ago. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you, Jake says. It's my pleasure. Please let me know if there is anything at all I can do to make your stay more enjoyable, the clerk replies, touching Jake's hand as he gives him the key. Accompanied by a bellman, Jake takes the elevator up to their rooms on the third floor. Come to my room once you are unpacked, Jake tells his assistant. Once settled in his room, Jake picks up the phone and calls the front desk. He asks to be connected to Tom's room. There is no answer. He is debating whether to flirt with the clerk in order to get the room number when Aaron arrives. A bit of sniffing around. Magnet is on the floor. She's not in the room right now. If you would like to pay a visit, he tells Jay. Yes, let's do that, he says. Throws open the door and discovers Sonia, hand up, about to knock. Ah, the last musketeer has arrived. Just about to go and check out my own suite. Jake says, all right, lead the way, Samir answers. The three take the elevator to the fifth floor. Concentrating intently on masking themselves from view, they make their way to Magdalene's suite unseen. Samir enters and unlocks the door for the other two. Once inside, they begin combing the room for any clues that might help them decipher which has been Frustrated after 20 minutes of searching, they are about to give up when Jake spots a corner of paper sitting, sticking out from under the desk pad. Sticking it out, he sees it as a, a very old map. Look at this, he says to his companions. It has the locations of all the covens in this area. Magdalene must be contacting all of them, attempting to find Alexandra. It's a start, but it still doesn't, doesn't tell us why she came here. There are covens all around the world, Samir points out. Why come to London? You're right, Jake says. Let's wrap this up for now and have for some dinner. I can think better on a full stomach. Walking by the reception desk, Jake sees the flirtatious clerk waving her. Mr. Hollings, I'm so glad I caught you. I'm afraid I may have given you some bad information regarding your friend. He did check in yesterday, but he is leaving tonight for Edinburgh. He must have forgotten about your business meeting. That idiot, Jake says. How does he expect me to handle this alone? 
have to reschedule. Do you know when he is due back, Jake asks. He has the room here until next Wednesday, but I'm not sure when he's returning. Thanks. You're a sweetheart for letting me know, Jake says, flashing the clerk his best grin. The three companions head across the street to an Indian restaurant. The aromas wafting out the front door are promising. Once seated, they discuss whether or not it is worthwhile making the trip to Scotland. We know she's coming back here. Why not visit some of the cabins while she's gone? See if we can find out anything, Aaron says. I think you're right. It will give us time to prepare for the confrontation, Samir agrees, and Jake approves of the plan. During their meal, Jake asks Samir how he had come to be associated with Gregory. Thousands of years ago, I lived in a land known as Tarabai. I believe it is now referred to as Iran. I fell in love with a witch named Terpsichore. The music we created together filled the sky with color, filled hearts with joy. She gave substance to my song. I knew from the beginning she was promised to a powerful warlock. However, knowing not overcome desire, we ran off together, foolishly hoping the strength of our love would protect us. Samir pauses as the horror of the event returns to him. He continues, It did not. Her father found us and beheaded his daughter as I watched, helpless to stop him. He had brought the one weapon over which a wind wraith has no power. He cast a spell, creating a prison of ice, and locked me inside. I would have remained eternally frozen if Gregory hadn't come upon us and observed what was happening. He took pity on me and freed me from my icy cell. He sent the warlock to the Akashic realm to rejoin his daughter. From that day until the end of days, I will remain indebted to him. I cannot rest until his murderer is punished. Jake says, I am sorry for your loss. No matter how much time has passed, the wound must feel fresh to you. Nodding smear answers, I still listen for her song every day. Alexandra awakens, feeling whole and healthy, she has healed quickly. Climbing out of bed, she goes to the window. Pulling back the red curtains, she sees the sea is calm, the day slightly overcast. Hearing the door open behind her, she turns to find Dawn entering the room. Smiling, she asks about breakfast. I feel as if I haven't eaten in months, Alexandra tells her. Dawn tells her to get dressed, come downstairs for breakfast, and she can meet the other residents. We are preparing to have our morning meal. It will be a good opportunity for everyone to welcome you, she says. The room where witches are gathered for breakfast is open on three sides, providing unobstructed views of the water. The air is cool and smells of salt, blended with the citrusy aromas of orange and lemon. Under different circumstances, Alexandra muses, she could happily wake up here every morning. Taking a seat next to Dawn, Alexandra listens as each witch is introduced. She knows she will never remember the names, but smiles and nods to each one. There are 13 in all, including Dawn. Leander, the one seated to Alexandra's left, asks how she is feeling. Better than I anticipated, she answers. This place is magical. The air, the ocean, all of you. It would have taken months for me to recover if I had stayed in New Orleans. The witch nods in agreement. This is a special place, she agrees. My mother came to me when I first arrived here. 
<clears throat> we spoke for a short time, and she told me you are an ancient coven. She said you would be able to help me find some answers, Alexander. None of the witches appear to be surprised at the news of Lorelei's visit. Oleander replies, of course we will help you. All the Anantan want to solve the riddle of the prophecy. Sadly, some only want to use it to further their own ambitions, <clears throat> increase their wealth. We are interested in knowledge for the sake of knowledge. If the gateway allows us to travel freely once again, our store of information will be greatly increased. The things we could learn, it's almost unimaginable. Where do you suggest I begin, Alexander asks. Dawn answers, we have heard there is a store in London which houses a book, a book which tells the story of the Anon from the time of our arrival to the present. It gives a clue where to look for the lock. The owner is a warlock and very difficult to deal with, but if he likes you, he will allow you a glimpse of the book. If you like, we can travel there together as soon as you feel up to it. Alexandra tells her, I feel up to it now. How soon can we leave? Dawn tells her there are a few matters she must take care of first. We can leave in the morning, she says. <clears throat> it is a short flight. Flight, Alexandra asks with apprehension. Can't we just will ourselves there? Answers smiling. Yes, but that sort of travel is very taxing. We to let the airplanes do the work. Is that a problem? No, no, of course not, Alexandra replies. It's just not my favorite way to travel. Alexandra decides she will spend the day exploring the town to take her mind off the upcoming flight. Dawn suggests a visit to the cathedral. You can easily spend a day there exploring the cathedral and the surrounding area. You'll enjoy it. It will do you good to play tourist and relax for a few hours. Alexandra agrees a complete escape from reality is exactly what she needs. Alexandra is on the roof of the cathedral admiring the view of the sea. Shivering suddenly as if cold hands have grabbed her, by, grabbed her by the shoulders, she spins around. The man towers over her. His expression is neither friendly nor hostile, but Alexandra is aware of her vulnerable position. He puts her fears to rest when he begins speaking. His voice is not what she expected. Instead of loud and overpowering, it cradles her, her soothes her worries. Don't be afraid. I didn't come here to hurt you, he says. I know what you are, and I have something that could help you, but I need to be sure you are the one. <clears throat> what can I do to assure you, Alexandra asks. Come with me, he says, holding out his hand. Hesitantly, Alexandra takes his hand. She feels the air inside her rushing out. She is no longer standing on the roof of the cathedral. Instead, she is suspended in space. Around her, stars and planets are rushing past, becoming mere suggestions of space. Shapes. She is losing all sense of where she begins and ends. A profound sense of connection is the only feeling. There is no fear, no holding on to what was left behind. She is almost beyond the point of no return, when abruptly she finds herself back on the roof. The man is gone. In his place is a book with a worn leather cover. There are no markings on the outside. It is thick, yet feels light as air when Alexandra lifts it. Thumbing through the pages, she thinks she will never be able to decipher it. It is written in an ancient language, <clears throat> unfamiliar to her. Then, as she watches, the letters resolve themselves into recognizable words. 
Dropping to the floor, she begins to read. It is the year zero. It is the beginning. We are the Anantan, explorers, wanderers. We are 30 in number. We have left behind our realm and all that we know to explore this new reality. We are the first. The two-legged animals here are primitive and avoid any contact with us. The air is clean and smells of earth and salt. We are close to a huge body of water. The temperature is suitable for us. We are able to travel about with little protection from the elements. We have agreed 10 of our party will remain here. Five will go east, five west, five south, and five north. We hope to reunite someday. This book we leave with Simha. May he guard it well. Alexander comes through the next several pages, which are filled with drawings of flora and fauna from the area. He continues reading, I am Simha. This book has been given to me. I have chosen to join Rowena and the group of travelers headed north. We are anxious to explore this place and have made the decision to walk until we find a suitable place to settle. The four-legged creatures we encounter everywhere are friendly and allow us to approach them. They look the females among us. Some have even begun to follow in our tracks. Rowena has spotted a large one, black and white, who appears to be the leader. She will attempt to climb on the creature's back tomorrow. If she succeeds, we may all try and mountain ride to mountain ride the creatures, making our long journey less tiring. Rowena was successful. The creature, which she has named Shadrach, willingly carried her way. He allowed himself to be guided by her body movements. The two appeared to become one as they raced across the open fields. Rowena returned and praised the creature's strength and intelligence. They will carry us on our journey, she tells us. Each of you must find the proper mount when you feel a bond with. Okay, I think that time's almost up for this week, so we'll leave it there and we'll pick up again next time. Thanks.